0: hey everyone good morning welcome to the daily drop-in morning show with the teach better team we are live monday through friday every single morning at 7 a.m eastern it is wednesday january 12th and we have a ton in store for you Sima is with us we have a theme this week we're going to continue to dive into it's wednesday so you know we're going to end with good recommendations for us to continue to have bold conversations and then we are also of course going to celebrate holidays good news articles and everything in between so we'll be right back please go get your coffee started get ready for your day and let's dive into this conversation Hey, everyone. Good morning. We are getting started. It's Wednesday, January 12th. Holy moly. Getting ready for the day. Seema, how are you?
1: I'm awesome. I'm great. I've got an 18-year-old and a 13-year-old both asleep. Um, so I know they're going to wake up to my voice and just be like, Mom, what are you doing? So it's exciting. I'm,
0: and I'm so glad appreciate- to be
1: here and to...
0: Yeah, oh, go, ahead. go ahead, please.
1: No, I said, it's just really exciting to be here too. So thank you for inviting me um, to be on the show. I'm glad. Um, Hopefully it's uh, engaging, learn, and inspiring.
0: (laughs) Oh gosh, no, I can only imagine. I've been so excited to connect with you because I connected with your team, I believe. I talked to somebody in your group. Yeah. um, Like truly, I want to say two months ago. And I knew that this was going to be a special opportunity for us to bring a new face into our Teach Better network and have some great conversation. So I really appreciate you waking up bright and early to be a part of today's show with all of our community. Um, Would you mind, before we get too far in, as people are kind of commenting good morning slowly, but surely our network's waking up, would you mind telling us a little about yourself? What do you do in education, kind of all that jazz?
1: Yeah, no, I'd love to. Um, So I'm coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm actually a suburb, so Savage, Minnesota. Um, So it's 6 a.m. for us, and um, I always introduce, I like to introduce myself first and foremost by saying I'm the child of immigrant parents, and it's really important for me to say that because um, I really appreciate and um, use the sacrifices my parents had to go through um, in order for me to be where I am and doing what I love and living in my passion and purpose. So um, my parents came to India, came from India um, over 50 years ago, and I grew up here in Minnesota. I only left once um, to move to Texas to teach. Um, so I am—I do have a background in um, classroom teaching, which would have been, I would have, I loved it. I would have stayed there teaching forever. Um, but then I moved back to Minnesota to be close to home. Um, and that, my teaching license didn't transfer right away. So um, I ended up as a job as a cultural integration specialist. And at the time I was hired to, um, the premise was that there were students from all over the world and many languages and ethnicities and there's a lot of conflict between and amongst the students and so they were like we need people to come in and work with students and it was pretty quick that i realized the students had it figured out and if they didn't they figured it out within like a day um they'd talk it out fight it out whatever and they were good but there was a lot of um mistrust a lot of misperceptions with the staff and families and staff and students And so most of my job ended up bridging that gap and and really clearing up um, what were misperceptions and misunderstandings. Um, From there, I went on and got my master's in education and um, took some time off to be home with my little ones. And I couldn't stay out of education and the inequities that I was seeing happen. Um, So I got into consulting with Paul Gorski, um, who's a dear friend of mine and um, really, loved that work, loved to be able to travel across the country and impact people. Um, That led to writing a book, um, and then that led to just more work. And so currently, um, I work as an independent consultant i happy to be with Equity Literacy Institute, which is, I think, who you connected with, Ray. Um, they just do some amazing work with Paul. And then I also work with Humanize My Hoodie, and then I also have my own consulting. So, yes, I get to live in my passion and purpose and listen to stories and help people um, really do equity work that's true and, and impact students.
0: Oh my gosh. I have so many questions that I want to ask. So I'm so sorry. I'm going to try and throw them to you in a appropriate order. But first and foremost, holy cow, you have done so much. You're going to continue to do so much in your career. And I'm so thrilled that you are able to join us. Our Teach Better community is always looking to grow their professional learning network to better surround themselves with educators that can lend perspectives, support them, and give those, kind of like you were alluding to at the end, those actual tactical strategies that we can mm-hmm. put in place to enact change. And while overarching philosophy is always important, it's good to understand, we really do like to get into the actionable steps that educators can do to better their work, to better serve their students and i love that that is such an emphasis for you i know you kind of skimmed over like the the three seemingly probably more roles that you play in a few different you know groups um but i'd love to hear if you don't mind about those specifics i know that you know the group that i originally connected with sound like they're doing incredible work and obviously you're consulting i'd love to hear more mm-hmm. about and then you mentioned something about a hoodie so let's not let's not over over uh yes. let's not what's that over. like <laughs> yes
1: for sure yeah and i I know like um, we're talking about elevating student voice and so um both organizations do a lot of really like what is it that students need so equity literacy institute um, is a phenomenal resource for educators there's some great handouts um there are actually two videos well there's a lot of videos but there's two that are three hours in length um, and they're essentially like the keynote that paul gorski gives around the country um And I just love that when COVID hit, he was like, I'm just going to put this online and so people can watch it and really reflect and learn. But a lot of what we do is really um, calling out inequities, real and raw. Um, You know, there's always a time and place to celebrate diversity, but we just find that too many places are celebrating and using their um, resources, their time, and their money to do that type of work. Um, And so while students may feel valued it's for like a day right and so and but at the same time like they're asked to showcase the very thing that they get teased about all the other days of school and so um humanized or sorry um, equity literacy institute is really about um you know addressing the inequity talking about it and talking about how to move from um transform or to go move into transformative change versus mitigative change right and again a lot of times equity efforts are mitigative. It's like, oh, we have an issue here. Let's address it. We have another issue. Let's address it. Um, You know, and versus really stepping back and saying, how can we remove barriers for the students? We really believe that you have to look at the systemic changes um, versus trying to fix students, which is what a lot of these um, newer kind of like fun programs stress is how do we fix students? How do we teach students skills versus how do we step back and look and see what the system is doing to cause this to students? Um, So that's Equity Literacy Institute. I highly um, encourage people to check out the website. A ton of great resources. Um, My other gig, which um, I kind of stumbled upon is Humanize My Hoodie, um, which is a movement. It's based out of Minneapolis and Iowa City. So it's two amazing humans who got together and and they're telling their story. so that we can stop the criminalization of our Black, Brown, Indigenous students um, of color, and instead look at the humanization. Like, how do we humanize people? And it's so—it's something so simple as a hoodie, right? Um, obviously, you know, we know about Trayvon Martin, but just that fact that you know something that somebody wears um, impacts how they're treated. Um, my son is, like I said, he's 18. We live in a suburb if he's out with his friends at night, I've told him, you cannot wear your hood up. And he's like, but my friends do, you know? And I'm like, but whether we like to admit it or not, oftentimes your friends look like athletes when their hoods are up. They're white boys um, with their hoods up. They must be an athlete that's cold, (laughs) right? Um, When you wear your hood up with dark skin, you look suspicious at night walking around. And until our society can change um, the mindset you're, where, you're keeping your hood down I'm like that's what I actively work towards um, but not I don't want to regret you having your hood up and somebody saying that you look suspicious and so um, humanize my hoodie is a phenomenal movement we do um, educational workshops for you know both organizations do professional development and um, again like just really naming what's happening to our youth and talking about how do we it truly impact them or make changes so that they feel it. Again, so often we have changes that are made in policy, like slight changes and, and that's all great, but students don't feel it. And you know, Ray, you said like those those strategies, if, if you're a student walking down the hallway and you're hearing racial slurs and you walk into your classroom slumped over and tell your teacher and your teachers, um, you know, who works amazingly hard and has great intentions and just comes and pats your back and says, your day will get better and moves on, like that's not what you need. You need somebody who can um, recognize it, who can redress it, who can disrupt it. And so that's the work that we do with with both places is how do you do um, that hands on in the moment (laughs) type of um, engagement?
0: You know, it's so interesting. I sat in a um, mastermind, two masterminds yesterday. Um, full of administrators from around the world. And I won't lie to you, so many of the conversations were exceptionally negative. I think all educators, administrators included, Mm. but all educators are feeling like they have problems before them that they cannot solve or that they don't have the power to make decisions in. And yet, I think this conversation that you're discussing now is actually something educators have the power to enact change in. And so while yesterday's mm-hmm. conversation was was definitely something that, you know, can come in community and discuss that there are things educators may not be able to control, this is something that every educator I've talked about has emphasized their passion for wanting to be a part of the solution, and yet you are offering possible strategies, possible discussions, possible conversations, possible things we can actually do to enact change and i think that that's why you were meant to be here this morning because yes this is a hard, yes it's a hard topic right this is something that we have to admit we have we have created or been a part of a problem and we need to now shift to to not just i i love what you said brad quoted you here not just mitigate mitigate in the moment but really transform holistically But this is work, every educator, this is work we can be doing, and it's not going to be easy, but it is work that we can do and we have the power to do regardless of the role that we play in the education system. So I do love that Brad Hughes is in the comment giving a shout out to the fact that this is something that his district is aware of that they've pulled. And so again, you know. Daily Drop-In is all about bringing in different people to share their voice, share their resources. I know that you're going to, you, you have no idea. We have so many resources that we're going to have you share and talk through as well, but there really are some powerful conversations to be had. And as a reminder, these are conversations that all of you listening have the power to decide to do something with, which is really exciting and hopefully um, a light, you know, an exciting moment versus talking about all the things we can't control and, Really feeling that we're carrying that weight as well. So I'm so thrilled that you're here. This is like exactly the type of stuff I wanted to discuss. This is so exciting.
1: Thank we you. are gonna. Yeah, you know. Go, oh, ahead. go ahead. No, please. Well, I was just gonna say, you know, it's interesting that you talk about being in a room full of administrators and the negativity about things they can't change. Um, you know, I think I always think about like our intent, and I know that every every educator in a school hopefully is like. Um, has great intentions and, and is doing so much, especially now in times of COVID. The things our our teachers and administrators are asked to do um, and have to do is just—it's mind blowing to me, right? They're frontline; they are putting their health in jeopardy. They're giving it their all, and it's frustrating for me to see that um, it, to what I consider to be like low hanging fruit. Like this is the stuff that if it can be eradicated so quickly if you all just come together and work on it um, and have those practical strategies, but it's adding to their days, right? And so in the midst of them working tirelessly and, and feeling burnt out, um, they're now having to engage in things that aren't working as far as equity and feeling like anything, any initiatives they made post um, the killing of George Floyd, you know, I, I know that was a big time where people we're like okay we're gonna do this this and this and the attention was great and then when COVID hit and um kind of got put on the back burner and so i know those who are passionate and who are out there um advocating for students are getting really frustrated because they're like we're we're trying to do the equity work but it's not impacting our students right now because of everything else that's happening and the unwillingness to really take some time to talk about like this is systemic let's look at it let's fix it so that it can be easier for all of us
0: no i couldn't agree more and i'm excited to dive further into this and actually get into some like actual steps that educators in our community educators worldwide can take especially with the i know you have so many resources that i'd love to dive into because again every day that we walk into our school buildings every day that we aim to support students There are things that are coming in front of us that we don't have the power to change in this moment or we don't have with our role. Mm -hmm. And I just want to emphasize in the moments when you feel like you don't have control over ways to support your students in the best way possible, keep them healthy, keep them safe and everything in between this is a moment where we can turn to resources like we can discuss today and turn to those resources and say, okay, so I can't solve those problems right now, except for sharing my my voice with those that, that do have the power. And instead, I can control this important work that does need to be done in my mm-hmm. classroom, regardless of where I work. And I think that's really exciting. So we're going to transition here into some good news stories, some holidays, and some other great things for our show this morning. And then as we get into our brainstorm bank, I do want to get into our specific things and hopefully our community has some questions for you as well. So we will be right back. Good morning, everyone. We have a segment every single day in Daily Drop In where we highlight goofy holidays and have a good news article. Uh Sima, I'm really um I know that we're just meeting for the first time, but I can only assume that you love celebrating a good holiday. So are you up for celebrating this <laughs> morning?
1: Yes, yes. Look at I even have like my cup says so celebrate. I'm ready. <laughs>
0: perfect Let's go. what is it <laughs> i love it so for those of you that are looking for some goofy holidays there are some today it is national pharmacist day we want to give a shout out to national curried chicken day love that sign me up for that it's also national hot tea day national marzipan day i really don't think i've had marzipan i think i need to add that to my to my like you know list of th- foods that i need to consume today have you had marzipan yeah i haven't either so i'm going to sign up for that it's like an almond sugary treat so i'm going to go look that one up um also as a as a reminder for those of you who may be setting some health goals it is national take the stairs day so if you have the luxury of taking the stairs versus an elevator or an escalator let's take the stairs today kind of like that that little goal out of the holidays i do think that hot tea and taking the stairs are two things I can commit to this morning. Are you up for celebrating (laughs) those?
1: Yes, I think that's awesome. I do love that it's National Pharmacist Day too. Again, talk about people who are overworked and underrated. My goodness, yes.
0: Oh my gosh, I know. You know, it's funny, I used to do a unit with my students where they took on the role of a pharmacist to learn the content. We were focusing in a math classroom in a middle school um, when I was teaching that unit. And it was amazing how many students weren't even aware that phar- how important pharmacist roles are. So that's a really important job that might be valuable to discuss with students today as well. It's in the medical field and it really allows our community to be successful.
1: Right, and how cool for, I mean, again, like I'm always somebody who's about like giving back, but. How cool would it be if you have time, which I know we don't, our educators don't always have time, but if you did, or if it's an indoor recess day, like it can be in Minnesota when it's so cold to just have some students write some thank you cards and drop them off at your local Walgreens, CVS, Target, right? Like, whew, I think it's pretty powerful.
0: Oh, Sima, what a good reminder. I think sometimes, like during specific moments of the year, we think about, ooh, let's shower somebody with our appreciation or or our, our messaging of saying thank you and, and and all for all that they do but on random Wednesdays Wednesday January 12th I don't know that that's my first thought and I really appreciate that I think that we can challenge our whole community if there is a moment during an advisory or a tutorial or an indoor recess or before school or after school where you can spark a student to say Hey, I know that you have a few moments right now. Can we share our appreciation? And if they're older, maybe they just want to send an email or write a handwritten note Mm -hmm. on a notebook piece of paper. If they're younger or if they're creative minds, let's get some colors out. I love a great thank you card. Gosh, there's so many people to be thankful for right now. Mm -hmm. Pharmacists would be a really cool one for today. I like that for our message for our Good News article today. I just thought this was really interesting. I know that we have so much to discuss, so I don't wanna to spend too much time on it, for, but for those of you who use our Good News articles to spark conversations with colleagues that you're building relationships with, or maybe you bring this to your students, I just wanna share a moment in history. 90 years ago, Hattie Car- uh, Caraway became the first woman elected to the US Senate So this was a Democrat from Arkansas, uh, the first female to serve a full term. And so what I loved about this is in this article, it goes into how she got this role, kind of what she was doing in the world when this happened. But this was um, a big moment for our Senate to welcome in females. So something that you can share with your students and also an element of history that we can continue to celebrate. You know, Seema, we have a moment, a segment in our show where we focus on brainstorming and giving strategies. I'd really love to dive into that this morning because I know we have so much more to talk about. Are you up for transitioning to our brainstorm yes. bank here? Yes, let's go. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. We already have so many people in the comments saying good morning. We're bragging about hot tea day. Elijah, I know you're a tea lover. So I'm so glad you can celebrate your holiday today. This is so exciting for everyone here. We are thrilled you're here. We are in our brainstorm bank where we truly like to take a moment and pause and ask all of you listening live with us as we're streaming on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Hey friends, do you need anything? We know we know that there's a lot going on and our biggest emphasis is that you do not need to go through all these hurdles or all these challenges on your own. Whether you're brainstorming a small little idea that you're just looking to come to fruition for lesson planning, maybe of a student that you're struggling with, maybe you're trying to communicate something with your administrator that you'd like to have some perspective on, that's why we're here. Seema and I are definitely not promising that we'll have all the answers, but we do love to brainstorm with you. To get us started um i'd love to dive into a little bit more of some of the strategies that that you really feel like need to be emphasized with educators if they are listening to this for the first time maybe they're connecting with you for the first time Mm -hmm. what are things that they should be doing what's a mindset they should carry i'd love to dive into that
1: yeah thank you um so i have the privilege of being able to talk to students all across the country and um, a resounding theme that I hear from students who feel marginalized or are are marginalized because of some aspect of their identity. You know, it's not always race. We know that it could be socioeconomics, it could be ability, gender, gender identification. Um, but the one constant that I hear from students all the time is, while um, certain flare-ups certain incidents and incidences <laughs> um, bother them right like when a when student says something or a teacher does something um, what hurts the most and what really resonates with them is the lack of response of the adults around them so so often you know we think about um, oh well here's a new story of something that happened and I think the reason it became a new story wasn't that it happened um, but it was because there was an adequate response to it, to kind of help the students, to help the family, to help the community feel better about what's happening, um, and so the one thing, you know, and I just developed this, like, a couple months ago, because it got so overwhelming, I could just hear student after student say, like, this is what, you know, they'll tell me a story, share something, and I'll say, well, what, what did the adult in the room do, and then I hear what happened, and I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> no, they didn't, and a lot of times, again, it's, um, it's covered in good intentions, but they don't understand the impact from that point of view because either because the, the, the adult doesn't have the lived experience, which is, you know, you, if you don't have the lived experience, you can't know how to respond properly all the time. Um, or because they're, they're busy with other things. So I developed like these, this, it's, you know, it's a, literally like a handout that's, and I, it's like 10 things you probably shouldn't say when a student comes to you and talks about, um, something that happened to them, and, and, you know, five things that you could say instead. And I think even just implementing these strategies of, like, just taking a step back and saying, what, if I say this, how is it going to be interpreted, Um, makes a a huge difference. So so students just are like, we just want to be heard, we want to be validated, um, and we want someone to tell us it's not okay. Right. And they also want action, but at least at the very first and foremost, tell us it's not okay. Yes
0: i would love to hear some of these strategies i know that that's really something that that our crew is always hungry for is those mm specifics so would you mind sharing a little bit about Uh, let's go through
1: some of the ones yeah yeah let's talk about some of the ones that you know that we hear often um that again people might not understand why it's not a great thing to say so if someone comes up to you let's say um they were just called a homophobic slur or racist slur or something um, you know but actually no i'm gonna say like it's something even more minor than that right like it's a slur but everybody's laughing about it you know and, and you don't think that it's a big deal and a student comes and tells you um so something um that we hear a lot is we have a lot of educators that tell the student to be the better person um you know take the high road like those kids like don't pay attention to them they're goofing around you are a better person just focus on today right and so again like i think that's really rooted in good intentions um you know I, I say that to my own children you know at times but i think in a classroom and in a school setting when the adults are there to protect students and ensure um, there aren't barriers it's taken really inappropriately by the student um or so like I always joke and say, like, now is not the time to quote Michelle Obama. It's not when they go low, you go high. Like, that's not what you should be doing. Um, Because then you're putting that burden on a student who is already carrying the weight and the burden. And usually by the time they tell you something, they've heard it 10 or 15 times before, right? Um, And they're finally coming to you and opening up. And then you tell them to take the high road. And it's like, what? (laughs) No, I just want somebody to help me out, right? Um, Another one. That I hear a lot is, um, "Thank you for being so brave." You're, you know, I appreciate you telling me this. I'll take care of it later. So again, our students don't want to be complimented. They know they're strong. They know they're brave, right? Um, and they don't want you to take care of it later. They want an exact time frame. And so, if if it is something that you can't take care of right away, then you say, "Hey, I'm just going to get started on the, this lesson." And then let's sit and talk about it or you know or then i'll address it or at by the end of the day for sure you'll hear from me um they need to know a specific time and you have to um to to stick with that time um another thing that we hear a lot is well obviously there's a lot of silence too that happens where educators just freeze they don't know what to say or what to do um pretend like they didn't hear it right and a lot of times i hear educators tell me I don't have, I don't know how to get into these conversations. I don't know the topic that well, and I'm worried I'm going to make it worse by going, by delving into it. And I don't want to make it worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, what I tell them is again, like, you don't have to know a whole lot on the subject. You know, um, I use the analogy a lot of, um, like if, if I was teaching and somebody walked into my classroom, a student, and they tripped and fell, um, I would immediately assess the situation. I would see, like, like, do you need a Band-Aid? Do you need to go to the nurse? Like, how are you doing? Um, If the student, you know, during my lesson, I would kind of check back in and be like, hey, how are you doing? You know, I know you got hurt. I would do all of that, but I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I'm not trained in the medical field at all. But it's just like my human reaction. And so we need to do that with instances of racism, homophobia, heterosexism, anything that a student does, just address it. Go check in with them. Are you okay? Who should I reach out to? Um, Use your resources. You know, do you want to go down and talk to the social worker? Do you want to do something else? Um, But you have to address it and ask them if they're okay. Let them know it's not okay that they had to deal with that and, and reassure them that you will take care of it.
0: I love this comparison to a situation that literally we have all lived, regardless if you've been teaching for a year, or you've been teaching for 32 years, you've had an instance where a student injured themselves walking in in a goofy way to your classroom, right? I can just literally picture it like the tripping and falling or the dropping of the books right as you walk in and, and you're right, being able to compare an instance like that where you go up and you're supportive. And then later on, as the day continues, you're doing small little check-ins to confirm that, you know, their ankle still doesn't mm-hmm. hurt or that, you know, um, that their that their elbow still has the Band-Aid on it that you gave them earlier. And, and this is a perfect <laughs> example of of something that every educator feels confident addressing. And yet, I love the comparison of we're not doctors, we don't necessarily know <laughs> how to how to solve that injury, but okay. we do know our resources and we do know how to share compassion. I think that type of analogy is exactly the type of work that we can continue to reflect on and be educated on so that we can respond more effectively in the classroom. When you're talking about these five strategies of how to best respond, um, that that one in and of itself is exactly i feel like what i'm looking for is how can i compare a situation i feel confident handling to a situation that for whatever reason i don't feel as confident with and i think that's so that's so perfect I love that.
1: yeah so much of that inaction is just like um a lack of confidence on the the part of the educator right and especially you know i think unfortunately a lot of Educators also worry about like repercussions. Like if I say this, am I going to get in trouble, right? And and so again, like thinking about the medical thing, I'm not going to worry about like if I give them a Band-Aid and it's a bigger injury, am I going to get in trouble? So I'm just not going to address it at all and I'm just going to let them bleed, <laughs> right? Like you try and it's okay. And, and students just want to see that you, you're you trying and that you care. Um, oftentimes when I ask students, who are the, the, who are the teachers in your school who get you or who are the ones um, that you can relate or that you can talk to about anything uh they'll name you know just usually it's just one or two and then i say well, what does this person do and you know it's not this person has a bunch of resources this money this person gives me money it's nothing that has to do with funding resources it's just they care and and not like um and again i'll ask students too and they'll tell me a lot of teachers who are nice right they've got a long list of nice teachers but it's different to be nice than to get them and to understand and empathize with them on a humanistic level of, you know, I might not understand um, what it feels like to be called a homophobic slur um, because I identify as straight, but I can still empathize. I can still say like, I don't know the magnitude of what you're feeling, but please like, check, let me know as the day progresses, or even just to ask the student, has it happened before? You know, just that simple question shows that you're engaged. Um, You'll find out a lot more. They might say, no, it hasn't happened to me, but it's happening in the hallway all the time or, you know, and it shows them that you care and you're not being dismissive. And again, like, I do think that none of us intend to be dismissive, but a lot of times what we think is our good intention is seen as dismissive to students. And so I spend a lot of my time saying, no, like, I'm sure you're educated. Like, I'm sure the teacher didn't mean it that way. but that has to stop now because i just feel like this is happening too often our students our students of color especially are really struggling in schools with lack of empathy um and lack of support and so it just needs to be like look (laughs) we all know how to address this we just have to get over our fear of addressing it and just do it just do something um you know anything in this case is better than nothing
0: well, I think that's a tricky part with what we're discussing, is you know, our network spans all over not only the US, but truly we have a global community here within the Teach Better family mm-hmm. that is striving to be better. And I truly believe to my core that every single educator wants to ele- like have students feel confident and cared for. And I even believe to a further extent, they also not only want that, but care themselves about the student, it, you know, as an individual. And it's so tricky what i really value about this conversation is that it's not that we're trying to teach an educator to care it's it's that we're trying to teach them how to communicate that they care because the care the passion the love of wanting students Mm -hmm. to be in a safe and happy learning environment where they are supported i truly believe exists in every single member of our network But yet if you communicate in a certain way and it doesn't come across to the student or the group of students that you care, now that's something we have control over fixing. So I really I just couldn't appreciate this conversation more. Do you have another example of something an educator can do that does communicate that care, that passion?
1: Yeah, so again, like this top of my head, the ones I think are most important, is just saying like, hey, that's not okay. I'm sorry that you have to go through that. Asking them, um, has it happened before, right? Um, addressing the fact that it could have lingering impact and saying like, I'm gonna check in with you at the end of the day and just make sure. Um, I think too, um, letting them know, you know, so often too, I see, especially now with our students when something happens, we really rely on our students because we're we're hoping to elevate student voice, right? And so, if there's a racist incident that happens, um, the N word is used, we'll rely on our Black student union students to do something about it, right? Like we'll give them time and resources. Like you don't have to go to class; you can work on these posters or you know or something. Um, and again, good intentions, but what's happening is we're relying on students to do the work versus us saying, you know what, this is our plan. Can you look at it and tell us what we might be missing? Like, that's a very different amount of time that's taken. Um, And so a lot of our students who are struggling are like, yeah, I miss a lot of class too, and I just want to be a student. Like, I don't want to have to be the one to be the teacher about how marginalization is happening. But again, in that effort of saying, like, I'm going to elevate their voice we actually make them do all the work right and so um so one of my suggestions would be if you're going to use students elevating their voice is simply also just saying hey this is my our plan this is what we came up with take a look at it give us some feedback and tell us what to change Um, or what might we be missing right versus saying uh, why don't you let us know why don't you teach us why don't you create a A new slogan a new campaign right and students will do it they love it but that's not how they should be spending their time they should be a student in the school
0: well and i think teachers can relate to that even you know even more when we're talking about a problem that exists in the building if you see a problem in the building and you go to a teacher and say hey could you do all this work to figure out how you're going to solve this And, and your and your leader comes to you and says I'm, I'm super supportive of you fixing this, but I'm literally going to start you from ground zero. And I hope you have time and the skill set to create this entire, yes. you know, whatever yeah. piece you're going to do to enact change. A lot of teachers are going to find themselves overwhelmed, underappreciated, and feeling like they mm-hmm. are the only ones working towards that solution because the leader essentially said, you know more, right. could you please do this versus yes. when a leader or leadership team goes to a group of teachers and say, says, we saw this problem, here's the brainstorming we did, we think this plan can work, here's the timeline, can you tell us all the things we didn't think of? And, ha- yeah. and because you're you, your feet are on the ground, so what feedback can you give us to tweak mm-hmm. and adapt? Now you're really in community, you know? Yes,
1: yeah, it's a completely different way to engage, and um, yeah, you're not, you know, I hear staff so often just say things like, I didn't even complain about it because I knew I would be asked to form a committee to look into it. Right. And it's like, yeah, you can't do that. You wouldn't place that burden on your teachers. So don't do it on students or families who are impacted.
0: You know, I want to get into some recommendations. I know that you have some books to share, some websites to share different resources. And again, today is not about getting all the answers, but today is about really thinking through how you can surround yourself with people that are action-focused and how you can gain resources to continue to be better. So we're going to transition here. It is Wednesday, so we're going to get into recommendations we love. up our daily drop-in this morning. On Wednesday, January 12th, we do want to make sure that we share resources with you. As many of you know, if you listen to the show every morning or week to week, whether you're watching us live as we stream on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch, or listening after the fact on Teach Bear Talk Podcast, on Wednesdays, we specifically focus on resources. We know that we have a theme every single week. This theme has been about bold conversations all week long. But remember, there is nothing we're going to solve in five days. And we need to continue this conversation, continue our learning and exploration as we go. So Wednesdays, we love to give you something to help you go do that. So Sima, I'd love to just throw the question at you about what resources you feel like might be most beneficial for our educators, whether they're in the classroom or in yeah. leadership roles. And I'd love your support in what we should start with.
1: Yeah. So um, first and foremost, I suggest people go check out equityliteracy.org. Um, There are a lot of free, great handouts, resources. Um, There's an article on there by Paul Gorski, and it's called Avoiding Racial Equity Detours. And I feel like if you read that article, you would be able to say like, yes, this is what's happening in my building. Um, And it really talks about how do you avoid these common detours? Because every year there's so much time and money that's poured into um, equity issues and initiatives, but yet our students are still saying like, like, I don't feel it. Um, So I think that's a great article, Avoiding Racial Equity Detours. You can even just search it online. Um, The equityliteracy.org website has a lot of great videos um, and uh, again, a lot of free resources. Um, I do, I can't like be on here without promoting our book. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about this. It's Case Studies on Diversity and Social Justice Education. It's the second edition. Um, Paul and I got together one time and it was like, It was like just casually, and we both had just come from working at two buildings where we felt like the educators could have addressed the situation without us having to be there. And so we just talked about how often we get called in to um, mediate a situation that, you know, we love the opportunity to do it, but it's like, you could have done that on your own, right? Um, And so we talked about how, you know, so oftentimes people, educators will say, I don't know that, or I don't have that lived experience. I don't see things that way. You know, I'm in Minnesota. We have a teaching force, um, 4% teachers of color, right? And so there are a lot of things around race that our educators just don't know because um, they don't have the lived experience. They haven't taken the time to read, to understand. And so what we did is we put together, There, are over, I think there's over 32 short scenarios of common everyday occurrences that happen in a classroom. So one of them, we call it the winter party and it's a group you know this one addresses like family involvement and it's a group of um adults trying to plan a winter party and they're like oh why can't we just call it the christmas party we know it's winter party why can't we celebrate all the holidays you know let's throw in this and let's throw in this and so it's one of those like short snippets it's like a page long and then it ends with the educator always being like oh i should have intervened or, or how do i address this right so again good intentions there's nothing in here that's overtly easy to figure out. Um, Good intentions, but a lot of subtle inequities that are at play, whether it's power dynamics, um, inequities, racial, socioeconomic. Um, And so we have a framework for addressing it, uh, like to walk through. We also have questions. But what I think is really neat about this book that other resources don't offer is the insight from people who have lived that experience, from Paul, from myself. And so, You go through the case you talk about well this is what i would do these are the inequities but at the back of the book you flip to the back and then you can see um expert opinion on that particular case and the inequities that were at play so it's kind of like if any of your listeners uh, any of the listeners out there ever read encyclopedia brown books um which you know like that's you know like you'd encyclopedia brown was this little neighborhood (laughs) detective 12 year old And then you'd get it and they'd be like, Encyclopedia knew who stole the lunch money. And you'd try to solve it in your head and you'd look at clues, but then you could flip to the back and it would tell you, well, these are the clues in there. And so we did that, we kind of modeled it after that, Um, but it it gives you that insight. And so for me, when we were writing chapters on race, um, ethnicity, language, immigrant status, those came really naturally to me. When we got to ability disability, I didn't have as much lived experience and have as much knowledge and so those cases i really relied on other people to say like if i could have told the teacher anything without repercussions this is what i would have wanted them to know Um, and so that's the insight that we have and so it allows educators to develop an equity lens for situations that they don't have that experience with if that makes sense so i do feel like you know it's broken down by inequities it's broken down by different categories and I do feel like if you read it cover to cover it's like more of a self-help book because it really opens your eyes and by the end you're solving those um classroom scenarios and you're checking it and you're like yes I did this this and this and it's really kind of a cool feeling
0: oh I love the format I love the mission of how you want educators to really engage with this book um, it sounds like a really great staff read as well, like to do a book study with with groups of educators. I, I'm, I'm a huge advocate. Would you mind sharing the title again to make sure that people can go hunt that yes. down, I assume, on like Amazon yeah. and stuff like that?
1: Yep, Love. and I could, yeah, just put it in. So second edition, our first edition did well, um, but unfortunately, um, with this last presidency, there were a lot more inequities that came into play in classrooms that um educators we're dealing with and our publishers were like, you know, the first edition's selling great, but there's some content that's missing. Um, And so in the second edition, we do have like addressing, um, like students chanting, build a wall, right? Or a student not standing for the Pledge of Allegiance um, or Black Lives Matters compared to All Lives Matters. So these are topics that we encounter as educators all the time, but it's put into a, a scenario. And as you know, you mentioned staff professional development, I have educators, um, administrators who use it. They send it out for all staff to read ahead of time. And at their meeting, they only take 10 minutes to um, talk about it talk about how it impacts their school and then read the points for consideration. And then they move on with the rest of the agenda. Because it's so much easier to talk about um, another educator, like, well, Mrs. Anderson should have done this, this and this realizing we've all been Mrs. Anderson at some point in, in our um, teaching career. Yeah, but in the moment, it's different than when you can step back and really look at it so that when it happens, because they do happen, um, you feel prepared, you have the language. And even for people who are like, who really get that content, sometimes, you know, for me, I get so emotional that I don't know the right words to say. And I'm just like, oh, that's wrong. <laughs> but I don't know how to express it in a way that gonna connect with the other person and so those points for consideration really give you the the language and the words to use to explain your ooh that's wrong (laughs) statement because that doesn't really help out a whole lot Um, so yeah I mean I I personally think it's a great resource Um, and again it just allows you you know I work with a lot of um, it's used in a lot of teacher prep courses and I'll go in afterwards and talk to students and they're like "Ah, this stuff doesn't happen in schools there's no way and I'm just like, okay, check in with me in two years, right? And some of them, I've checked in with them and they're like, yes, I've already had like over half of them happen in just my first year of teaching, right? And so unfortunately it's, they're common things that are happening all globally, right? Um, Because it's human interaction, that's all human interaction.
0: Mm, So powerful, Seema, I so appreciate you sharing these resources, I know it only skims the surface of all the things that you know, but Hopefully our community will connect with you and also go connect with these resources to continue to be better in these areas. I I really just wanna emphasize, we have the power to do work in this space, even with all the hurdles before us that we feel like we don't get our voice heard in. And so this is an area that I hope every educator chooses. on this beautiful Wednesday morning to say, okay, (laughs) when I have a moment of time, which may only be a few moments every week or a few moments every month, but when I do have a moment, I'm going to commit my effort to being a part of a solution to a problem. I do have control in being, um, in being a solution seeker for. So this is really important. Seema, would you mind sharing how people can stay connected to you personally so they can add you to their network?
1: Yeah, um, it would be great. And I was going to also throw in there too, like again, humanize my hoodie. It's also a great resource. If any of you feel like you're any professional development you do around, um, equity work does not include the words racism or homophobia or privilege um, and it's really surface level and you're wanting like deep, um, great PD, check out Humanize My Hoodies workshop. We have an Educators as Allies workshop um, PD that is just, it really talks about systemic bias, microaggressions, all those banned words <laughs> um, is, is what we talk about. In, but in a way that really helps you figure out how to um, disrupt and navigate around them. So, yes, um, if you want to contact me, I can't type it here. Can I like in the chat? Um, no,
0: but I will. I will put it in our our notes and we'll make sure that we have it. And actually, maybe I can type it. So go ahead. Yeah, I will
1: so so you can could there. just my email, my personal email address is S for SEMA. And then my last name, Pothany at and then it's MN Minnesota hyphen name. S Pothany at um, Minnesota name. Um, that's my personal email, so I'd love to hear from you. You can also, you know, if you go to um, Equity Literacy's website, what? you know, there's my profile.
0: Would it be mn namecom or is it just at this? yes?
1: Yes, nope, sorry, at minnesota-name dot Yep, You're good. I just threw it
0: in all the social medias we're streaming on uh, has that email.
1: Okay, good. And yes, thanks. And then also the humanize my hoodie, like I have an email there. I just have like, and I'm sorry for logging in because there's like multiple emails for the different roles I play. Um, But yes, I would love to connect. And, you know, I think sometimes what you hear resonates with you a week later, a month later, you know, if it's not resonating now in the same way. And so send me an email, shoot me an email at that time and just say, hey, and sometimes it's something that you don't maybe agree with. Right. And so i would love to communicate in here
0: i love it seema i'm excited for everyone to continue to connect with not only the resources you shared but you individually i've so appreciated you taking the time this morning to talk shop because i knew we were going to be able to have a come a great very rich conversation even though i literally could talk to you for hours and hours and hours so thank you for all that you do i want to give a shout out to everybody listening this thank morning you. or even if you're listening after the fact we are so appreciative that you're here thank you for being an active consumer and participant in this conversation we want to wish you all an absolutely wonderful wednesday january 12th we will be back tomorrow for daily drop-in but don't forget obviously on wednesdays we also later today will have our uh, brain break with, you know, I assume Jeff and Dave, who knows what shenanigans they'll be up to. Last week, they were practically fired for their job. So I don't know what we're gonna do this week, but I can't wait to continue this conversation as we continue forward in our Teach Better community. So Seema, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate you. Thank
1: you. Yeah, thank you and best wishes to everyone out there.
0: Wonderful. Thanks so much, friends. We'll see you later. And I'm the best and goodest And I'm
1: the best and goodest And I'm the best and goodest